Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I'm Layla London, aka The Curious Girl. Now just to let you know, this podcast is not suitable for work. It's also not suitable for anybody under 18. But the rest of you consenting adults, let's get ready to talk about my sex life, sex in general, and everything in between in explicit, raunchy, fun detail. All right, here we go. Really is a fun, wild, exciting part of our lives and should be something that we look forward to and think about during the day, you know, just like, oh, I can't wait to get laid tonight. I'm actually like really delving into different ways that I masturbate and making myself be more mindful about it. (laughs) That's great. So are you enjoying it? (gasps) Absolutely. That's exactly why I am starting a Patreon because I want that connection. I want to be able to really connect with that core group of people that really love what I do and where we could be closer and more intimate. And I can share more of those details about myself that I can't just blast out there on a public podcast. He could just uh, edge himself to the point where some cum would just come out. He wasn't actually orgasming, but it was so, the tension was so built up. And I loved loved just to watch how his balls would get tight and they'd pull closer and I could tell he was ready to go over the edge. Welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I'm Layla. I'm so glad you're here listening. Oh my gosh. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to introduce you to the woman that actually is responsible for the whole Curious Girl Diaries adventures. Many years ago, back in 2016, I stumbled across her website. That is girlonthenet.com. And I was so inspired by her blogging and her adventures and what she had done. That's what gave me the idea to do what I'm doing now. Now, I knew at that point I was going to, I had some things I needed to change. She wasn't the genesis of that realization. I already knew that. And then I stumbled across her and I thought, okay, as I'm getting out there and as I'm doing new things, I'm going to start blogging about it which I did for about, gosh, I'd say, I don't know if it's a year, a year and a half. So don't forget to go back to thecuriousgirldiaries.com and read the blog. What I originally did was I decided I was going to blog about the actual encounters with the guys and then just do a podcast about sexy things and sexy topics. I was really sort of kind of doing a hybrid version of Girl on the Net. Well, as it turns out, fast forward, I just decided that blogging was not my thing, especially when I was comparing myself to such an amazing writer and she truly has a gift. So I'm super excited to introduce you to her if you don't know who she is. This interview is amazing. She's opening up about little things about her book and her relationship, her favorite fuck-ups, her favorite kink, and just a whole lot more. You really, really get what I hope is an extra inside scoop into Girl on the Net and what she's all about and what she stands for. She's amazing and lovely. I wish I could have had more time with her. Literally, I could spend days and days with her. Just listening to her talk, you can tell she's a good writer. Just listen to the way she talks. It's amazing. Anyway, again, 
If you're not familiar with her, I highly recommend you go and check her out on girlonthenet.com. And if you love this interview, guys, don't forget to leave me a review on iTunes. Has to be on iTunes because then I can enter you into this month's drawing for the iPad giveaway and the 30-minute phone call with me. And we can do a Skype session. We can do video, however you want to do it. It's up to you. It's a winner's choice. So I'm super excited to be adding that extra little kicker this month. I've had a lot of great reviews come in. Thank you. Thank you so much. The month is not over. Go for it, guys. Let's um, get those reviews in and I will be handpicking the best one this month. And I'm just super, super excited and really grateful for the ones that have already come in. There's been some really, really good reviews. All right. So don't want to keep you. I don't want to keep you hanging any longer. Please enjoy this interview and I would love your feedback on it. Okay, well, gee, thank you so much, girl on the net. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing this interview. I know that I mentioned to you when I first started the Curious Girl Diaries that you were my inspiration. I actually... Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, I know. Can you believe it? I actually stumbled across you and I was just like, whoa, who is this woman with all this amazing content? these amazing stories and books. And you actually inspired me to do a sexual, I call it sexual road trip, like you did, you know, where you're do, you're having all these experiences and then blog about it. Little did I know that blogging was just not my strong suit. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you as my example, my North Star here, and I'm going, okay, no. This... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm so pleased. Like, honestly, one of my favorite things is knowing that my work can help other people go and have their own adventures and talk more about their own adventures, however they choose to do that. So that's really flattering. And I'm delighted. Yes. Well, you're welcome. Um, And the fun part about that is that through that, I have inspired a lot of people to do the same. So it's kind of like, it's the ripple effect. It started, you know, I got it from you and I'm, you're putting it out there. You're touching people's lives. I'm putting it out there, touching people's lives. So I really love that. I love how it moves through the world. Definitely. And I hope that you get interviewed by people on podcasts saying they're now putting stuff out into the world as well. And it just carries on going. It's lovely. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Yes. Thank you for putting that thought out there in the universe. Someone's going to snatch it. I love it. Okay. So how long have you been blogging? So I've been blogging since 2011. So this year in September will be my 10-year blogging anniversary. Woohoo! I'm not sure if I might have a little party on my own to celebrate it. But yes, I've been blogging since... 2011. And I've been creating audio erotica for about four years now as well. So I do that as part of the blog to try and make the blog more accessible to people using screen readers. So yeah, I've been doing that for four years as well. Yes. So I'm an old hand at this. Yes, I know. (laughs) I mean, you're, in my opinion, hands down, you're absolutely the best, I would say, most well-known with the best content sex blogger on the planet. Wow. Thank you. Yes. Oh, blimey. I don't know about that. There are so many other great bloggers, but I'm, yeah, I'm delighted to be able to keep doing what I do. I managed to turn a hobby into a job and I wake up every day thinking, God, I'm really lucky to be able to do this for a living. Yes. So how did Girl on the Net come to be? What started it all? You know, I want the backstory. Who inspired you? So I have always wanted to be a writer ever since I was really young. Um, Writing has always been uh, my bag. And 
I've also, since I first discovered sex, all teenagers think they're the person to discover sex. Um, but I've always been quite kinky and quite adventurous and very into men particularly, but also just exploring the things that my body does and the ways that I can get pleasure. Um, so shortly before I started the blog, I was in a relationship with a guy who I'd been with for quite some time. We'd had a lot of kinky adventures together and I really wanted to, with him, I, I almost started a blog with him. We toyed with the idea of setting up a sex blog together, but he wasn't sure in the end. And understandably, he was a bit nervous about, um, about putting his own writing out there. So after we'd broken up and I started dating, I realized that I actually did have quite a lot to say about sex and relationships. I was dating lots of men who had quite outdated assumptions about women and sex. So I thought, okay, now's the time to write about it. I've got stories to share and things that I want to say and messages I want to put across. So that's sort of what prompted me to set up the blog. Um, so I checked in with my ex of whom so many of my early stories were about and said, you know, are you happy for me to share this if I do it anonymously? And he said, yeah, sure, go for it. And it sort of grew from there. Wow. I love it. So how did you come up with your name, Girl on the Net? Net isn't used that much anymore. It's a little old school, which I like. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> I'm definitely giving away my age with the net thing. So I, um, the name, I actually, confession, I really, really do not like my sex blogging name. And if I could turn back the clock, I would pick a different one to start off with this time, just because Firstly, I'm 37 years old now and girl feels a little bit silly to still use as a name. But yeah, the on the net thing as well. Again, it's a little bit dated. But once I got it set up and I got the brand, I think I just used it because that's what my Twitter account was originally called. I had a Twitter account before I had the blog. And once you sort of set something up and then get going and then do promotion and start getting a bit of a name for yourself, it becomes really, really difficult to change your blogging name. So I'm stuck with Girl on the Net now. And everybody, whenever I do sort of interviews or panel discussions or anything like that, people always, I think, are a little bit uncomfortable calling me girl. So yeah. I go with G or Gotten or one guy called me Netty, which I thought was quite cute. <laughs> there you go. Netty. I like that one. Well, I'm a little older too, and I have Curious Girl. So, you know, I'm kind of, I'm stuck with it, but people like it. So I'm good with it. Yeah. I think it's when people start knowing your name and recognizing like what you do and what you're there for, the actual meaning of the name sort of fades a little bit into the background and people are, they hear the name and they've got the familiarity and they just go, oh yeah, that's the person who talks about the things I'm interested in. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So what is Girl on the Net really about? What do you stand for? So I think what I stand for at, at its core, what I stand for has basically stayed the same over the 10 years that I've been blogging, what I'm there to do is share my own stories, ideally give people a platform to share their stories and show them firstly that they're not alone. Like if they're into kinky things, there are other people out there who are into the same kinky things. But crucially that women like sex too. When I, as I said earlier, when I first started blogging, I was dating and coming up against men who had 
lots of very weird ideas about women and sex. Like, you know, sex is something that we give to them, that they have to earn from us, that it's, you know, something that might be exchanged for love or companionship or money or whatever. And while it obviously can be those things, there was a key part of it missing was that women can also enjoy sex too. And as somebody who's always been really horny, I found it really, I felt like it, you know, it was a misconception that desperately needed to be addressed. And even to this day, I still come up against this all the time. And so one of the kind of core messages, if you like, of my blog is that sex is supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be playful and exciting. And, you know, sometimes it's dark and sometimes it's difficult, but it's supposed to be something that we can really embrace and enjoy. And regardless of what your gender is and what kind of sex you enjoy, hopefully sort of lead by example a little bit and show people some of the weirder things that I enjoy and hopefully make them feel a bit less alone to share their own. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I'm so sad it has to end. Are you craving more content with me? Don't worry, I've got you covered. Go even deeper with me on my private podcast. You get four additional episodes a month published every Friday, revealing outtakes from my super private personal audio journal, things said after the show but when I'm still recording, the inside scoop on who's been naughty and who's been naughtier, bombshells I've kept to myself this whole entire time, things I can only talk about with a more intimate group of listeners, and additional surprise bonus content so hot it makes even me blush. So when you finish this episode and you're still craving more, please allow me to satiate you. Just head over to thecuriousgirldiaries.com and click on exclusive or click on the link in the show notes. All right, on with the show. And stories. Or maybe even less weird. <laughs> Yeah, oh, do you know, I, I always, the word weird, I find really interesting because to me, I like the word weird. I want to be weird. I think weird is good. Weird is powerful and positive and interesting and unique and different. But I think it's got so many negative connotations. One of the most common questions in the sex space generally is, I like X or I do X. Am I normal? Yes. Am I normal? Is this normal? And I'm like, God, who wants to be fucking normal? Normal <laughs> normal is we can all aspire to normality if we want to. And, you know, I'm sure there are lots of areas of our lives where we all want to be as normal as possible and not draw attention to ourselves. But when it comes to the things that we enjoy and take pleasure in, weird is great. We should embrace our weird. Be weird. <laughs> I could not agree more. I say all the time on this podcast, you know, sex should be fun, enjoyable, and not something mandatory. You just kind of do it. Really is a fun, wild, exciting part of our lives and should be something that we look forward to and think about during the day, you know, just like, oh, I can't wait to get laid tonight. Like it's building and it's exciting. And whether that's with somebody more than one partner or a partner that you've been with long-term, 
to me, it should stay really at the top or close to the top of what's important in your relationship. And you should work on it. And and if you're single, work on it too. You know, I mean, just, I think people sort of put that part of them aside and forget how sexual we are and how much we really do need that for a various amount of reasons. And it gets, it'll get shamed and, and people just sort of lose it. That's what kind of got me on this whole Curious Girl Diaries role was I didn't have sex for three and a half years. I was so type A business, didn't want anything that distracted me from my quote unquote goals. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, what the hell am I doing here? This is crazy. I'm wasting the pretty. So yeah, (laughs) but there's an element there as well of all work and no play. You know, I like to think of myself as quite an ambitious person and quite a driven person. But I think in order to be someone who is focused and able to meet your goals, you need to be able to have playtime. And sex is fun and playful. And I don't like the idea of working at sex. Although, you know, there are lots of different ways in which you can work at sex, which are really interesting. So sort of, you know, unpacking our assumptions about it or challenging expectations and those kind of things. When it comes to sex itself, I like to think of it more as you've got this huge buffet of lots of different things and all of them are delicious and they're all different things that different people would enjoy. And you get to just kind of go and fill your plate and pick what it is you like. And yeah, I think one of the problems with the fact that we don't talk about sex enough in society is that often I think people are led to believe that this is what you're getting. This is what you have. You either like it or you don't. Whereas I think what I would like to encourage people to do more of is question, okay, well, I don't like this particular thing, but what do I like? What is the thing that I think about late at night or what is the thing that is in my heart? And why does it bring me pleasure? Why do I enjoy it? And As soon as you sort of, I feel like as soon as you get to that level, it stops being work and starts being fun. You're like, oh, which toys do I want to play with? What's in the toy box? (laughs) Yes, yes. I don't know if I've mentioned to you previously, this month has been, I've been calling it March Masturbation Madness Month because we have March Madness over here in the States. I don't know if you guys have that over in the UK, but we have March Madness. And I'm like, screw that. I'm going to have March Masturbation Madness Month. I've had to masturbate every day for 31 days this month. Obviously, I haven't. Wow. I bought new toys. I'm actually like really delving into different ways that I masturbate and I'm making myself be more mindful about it. (laughs) That's great. So are you enjoying it? (gasps) Absolutely. You know, what's so fascinating is I just didn't realize how sometimes, you know, that gets a little, I don't want to say mundane, but mechanical too. So I've had to switch it up and buy some new toys, use different toys, go old school with just my hand, you know, like different one week I watched porn one, you know, the rest I did not, you know, and just trying different things, clearing my head and practice focusing my breathing so it can improve my orgasms. I mean, just (laughs) really being being there in the moment with myself and dedicating that time to myself for my own pleasure. That sounds amazing. It has been amazing. Oh my gosh. Best thing I ever, like I come up with crazy ideas and (laughs) this is- you know, especially, especially this year, like, you know, this year has been such a slog. Yes. You know, well, everybody, I don't know anybody who hasn't found this year difficult and being able to just give yourself some time and say, no, I'm going to do this every day and this is for me and this is for pleasure and this is for fun. Um, When the world is on fire and collapsing and everything is so awful, sometimes focusing on yourself gives you that really important just ability to remember who you are and what you enjoy and not have to spend your whole time doom scrolling or panicking about what's going on outside. Yeah, I think it's a really lovely idea. I'm so glad. Yes. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. 
So here's, I'm getting ready to, I'm going to start a Patreon and I'm going to, I've decided that I'm going to show my face. I've been anonymous this whole time and I'm going to show my face to my patrons, but I'm wondering how have you managed to stay anonymous for all these years and do any of your friends and family know what you do? Ah, do you know, that's a good question. It really, it depends on who. So some of my family know what I do. So my close family, my brother, sister, my mum know what I do. And they also know my blog name. They know that I'm Girl on the Net. When each of my books was published, I gave my I gave some of my close family members a sort of family safe edit where I put a few extracts of the book together, <laughs> you know, the bits that didn't involve me talking too much about my vagina. Yeah. Um, just some like fun little cute stories from the books that weren't to do with sex and gave that to my family because my family, my mum particularly and my sister especially are incredibly supportive and they want to know, you know, what I'm doing. They want to be able to cheer me on and ask about my work and all that kind of stuff. However, they all know not to read it. So none of them, I don't think, have ever been to the blog. They have no interest in reading about my vagina in too much detail, which is absolutely fine by me. Then there are some people who sort of know vaguely what I do, but they don't know the detail. And those are usually people who I think would probably go and do a little bit of digging and end up reading things that they're not comfortable with at all. So it's more kind of to protect them. So for instance, I have a grandfather. I'm going to tell you a really lovely story. I have a a granddad who's incredibly supportive of my work. He loves that I'm a writer, but I would never have told him that I was a writer because I know that he's incredibly curious. Somebody else let it slip that I'd had a book published just after my first one came out. Uh And ever since then, he's been saying, when can I read your work? I'd really love to read your work. I'm sure you're great. Blah, blah, blah. blah. And, you know, he he means really, really well. But every time I just say, you know, it's not appropriate. Then this Christmas, I got a Christmas card from him. And again, in the Christmas card, it said, when can I read your work? And I realised that this year, for the first time, possibly ever, I'd written a story on my blog that was nothing to do with me. It was fiction. It's called Will They, Won't They? If anyone wants to go and read it on my blog, just do a little search. Um, And it's just a very sweet sort of emotional relationship story. And I was like, ah, this is great. This only contains one swear word and there's no explicit sex scenes. So I edited it slightly and then sent that to my granddad. And I was like, and he was really pleased that he got to read something I'd written. Oh, that's great. Aw. So yeah, so that was really nice. So yeah, my family are incredibly supportive. um, But how do I stay anonymous? Basically, for the first, I'm going to say five years or so, I had really strict rules about I will never go to events. I will never give anybody my real name um, and lots of kind of very, very strict guidelines on what I would do. However, when I stopped blogging as a hobby and started blogging as a job, obviously those rules, you have to kind of modify them slightly because you do need to start doing more of that kind of stuff, even if it's only for boring things like invoicing and tax and all that kind of thing. Yes. So I think... Although I'm still very, very protective of my identity because I have grandparents who are still alive and, you know, I have lots of people who ex-partners who have let me share their stories, who I wouldn't want to be outed by association if people found out who I was. I am still very cautious about it. So I use a different name. I go by a different name when I introduce myself to people and I very, very rarely go to in-person events. I don't tend to do video. I will only do audio. And yeah, I find 
generally just sort of keeping my two lives separate. So I have two separate phones, one for real me and one for girl on the net. Yeah. Two separate computers, you know, separate every everything. And yeah, fingers crossed so far, it seems to have worked out. The other key thing I do, which I think I would always advise other bloggers to do is to just be really upfront about the fact that there is a cost involved to you if lots of people find out your name. Most of the people who read your website and def- you know, definitely the people who are supporting you on Patreon, they're on your side and they're on your team. So if you say to them, you could probably find out who I am if you wanted to, you could probably find out my identity, but I'd rather you didn't because it's more fun if you keep the secret. And it also means that I can keep doing this. The truth is that if my identity came out, there's a very real possibility that I'd have to just stop doing what I do. And so I think, you know, letting people know that and being very upfront about it. I have a page on my website um, that's written just for people who think they might know who I am, explaining why I I would like to. I have read that. (laughs) I have read it. I actually modeled my, I have a page like that on my website. And and quite frankly, you were, I I won't say that I plagiarized you, but it's, uh, I got a lot of, (laughs) I've got a lot of inspiration from what you said. (laughs) That's great. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad it was helpful to you. It was. It's always difficult. I get a lot of other bloggers asking me about anonymity and saying, oh, I'm thinking of not being anonymous. What do you think? And my advice is always, 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 you can't close the box once you've opened it. So that's right. If you do things gradually at levels that you are comfortable with, and as as long as you've thought about it for yourself and what it means for yourself, I would always, yeah, be as cautious and gradual as you can. But everybody's different and everybody's going to want to, you know, be comfortable with different levels of contact and showing, you know, face or voice or pictures or whatever it is. Yeah. So kind of as a real quick sidebar, do you, I'm curious about how you handle it initially when you have a new partner and assumedly you, you know, you're having some adventures, you're going to be blogging about them. I always straight away when I meet somebody new that I know when it's going to be sexual and that I will be talking about it on my podcast, I tell them or that, of course, my intention is that I would talk about it on my podcast. I always let everybody know, hey, you know, this is, I have this podcast and are you okay if I mention you and I'll change your name and any, I won't give away anything identifying about you, but you'll just have a fake name. And I want to mostly talk about the things that we do sexually is that, you know, are you okay with that? Most guys are okay with it, but do you always, when do you disclose that and how do you handle it? So this is a question I've had to bump up against quite a lot this year because I, so I split up with my partner who I had been with for nine years. And obviously he was very familiar with the blog. He helped me with a lot of my technical side of things because he's a very techie person. And he, my second book is entirely about him pretty much. So he was very kind of wrapped up in my blogging world and he knew everything. And then when we broke up, I suddenly had to sort of navigate the question of when do I tell new guys? Now, If it's a total stranger, I don't obviously mention it at all anywhere on my dating profile. And I wouldn't generally mention it until I felt like I knew someone well enough that I could trust them because it is quite a big thing to tell someone. Like it's quite a big secret for me to ask someone to keep if I don't know them very well. So um, there's a guy who I was with recently who I did trust, who was very, I'm not sure. Basically, he was a good guy. He was a good guy. He still is a good guy. It's just that we've broken up. But so what I did with him is I told him, I want to say like maybe three or four dates in. So we'd already had sex a few times and like had a few adventures. But 
I told him at a certain point and said, look, this is my job. This is who I am. This is what I do. If you are up for me writing about you on the blog, I would love to be able to share some stories. But if you'd rather I didn't, then that's absolutely fine. I will just cross those off my my mental drafts list. So I showed him a couple of draft posts and said, this is the sort of thing that I write so that he could read them and, and make sure that he was happy for me to write about him. And I think, to be honest, that's broadly the approach that I will take in future. Other people that I've slept with since the breakup both know that I have the blog. So um, it was less of an issue with them because, yeah, they both already sort of read my blog a bit. And one of them is someone who was a, has been a good friend of mine for a really long time. So that was much, much easier to navigate. But yeah, new people, it is really difficult. Yeah. Because you also have all that stuff of with this newer guy, you know, we're just sort of developing a relationship and only just getting to know each other. And I say to him, hey, here's my sex blog. Yeah. <laughs> there is nine years of all of my yes. <laughs> intense, like detailed fantasies, experiences I have had, stories about all these other guys I've fucked. Oh, and by the way, loads of posts about me still being really hung up on my ex and how much I loved him. And honestly, I think it takes a someone of really, really strong character to be able to deal with that and go, okay, no, I understand you are a person. And it's just that I have, unlike a lot of people, I have detailed access to your innermost thoughts and we'll deal with that as we go. So yeah, it, I think it's a real challenge for the guys. And I think it will be a challenge for me going ahead in future. Obviously after COVID, I'm hoping to do more dating and meet more people. And I think I'll probably hone my approach as I go along, depending on how different guys react. <laughs> I get the full gamut. You know, I get the full gamut. Some guys, it is hard when they can tap into everything that you've done and that you're doing, and especially while you're seeing them. If you have other partners and you've discussed that, it's one thing to know it. And then it's another thing to be able to listen to it in full detail. And I have found that it can be problematic, but I'm just about like disclosure, you know, this is what you're in for. If you, if you're not comfortable with that, I totally understand, but this is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so it does. Yeah. I think that's a really good approach. Like honesty is key. And I think like one of the things I would always try and do is keep the conversation open and say, you know, we can discuss this, but if you change your mind or if feelings come up that you want to talk about, or if anything, you know, there is always this avenue of conversation is never closed. The only thing that would be closed is I would not contemplate being with a man who wanted me to stop doing this because I think anybody who wanted me to stop doing this does not understand me <laughs> and does not like me, they need to go find a partner who is who doesn't do this and who is more their sort of person. So that's the only thing I wouldn't contemplate. But all the other stuff, you know, I would always encourage guys to talk to me about things and, and also to not take, I don't know if you find this as well, but the, the sort of our persona, there is always a difference between someone's online persona or their performative persona when they're doing this kind of work and the person they are in real life. Because, you know, you I will tell the blog about you know, this horny wank that I had. I'm not going to tell the blog that I've had a really tough week doing paperwork and talking to solicitors, which is what I've been doing this week. And it's very stressful. <laughs> like you just, and so anybody who is only interested in the persona without the actual person is probably someone who's not cut out for dating somebody like you or I, where, yes. you know, we do have this kind of public face. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. There's a whole nother, there's just parts of yourself that you save for different people and that you don't share publicly and in the persona, you know? And so, yes. And people sort of will blend the two, you know, they just kind of think that they're getting all of you as far as when they listen to you. I love the fact that people really feel like they know me and that they can relate to me, but there's also whole other facets to my personality and my life and things. And so there's just a lot more there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a good point. Like I quite enjoy that as well. Like there are people who think they know me from my blog and I think, you know, you only know this one side, you only know this bit, but then I enjoy playing around with that a little bit. I think Patreon has been really interesting for me because I have a much closer relationship with my Patreons than I do with my blog readers because they will input into my work and they will give me like support and comments. And so I tell my Patreons loads more sort of secrets and stories and things that I wouldn't tell the blog. And I really like that I can have those different boundaries depending on how safe the group of people I'm talking to is. You know, on my blog, it's public and I sometimes get some really awful comments. On Patreon, you know, they're a much safer group of people because they're all the people who are on my team. (laughs) And oh my gosh, I'm so glad you said that because that is the you just put it so beautifully. That's exactly why I am starting a Patreon because I want that connection. I want to be able to really connect with that core group of people that really love what I do and where we can be closer and more intimate. And I can share more of those details about myself that I can't just blast out there on a public podcast. So yeah. Thank you. Like you just really, that I needed to hear that because I've been like, is this the right thing to do? I really want to do it. I think so. But I really want that after this much time of putting out content, putting out content, I really want that connection. I want to have a, a closer connection with a core group. And I'm really excited to start that. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. If that's what you're after, then yeah, I think Patreon will be a real joy for you. I've been really, yeah, the more of it I do and the more people who join, like the more um, open I find I can be with the people who are supporting me there. And it's really, it is a really, really lovely, it's a really lovely connection. Can I plug my Patreon here? If anybody would like to join. Absolutely. Oh, yes. (laughs) So over on Patreon is where I give early access to my audio erotica. And we sort of do, um, we did a Zoom chat the other night where we were coming up with ideas for new stories. And I was doing live readings of things I hadn't published and telling some sort of dirty secrets that I probably won't tell a blog. So my Patreon is um, patreon.com slash girl on the net. If anybody would like to come and join me there. It is fun. Have a good time. I highly recommend everybody come and join you there. I want them to go to your website. I want them to go to your Patreon. You have amazing stuff. And I want to spread the word about my love for Girl on the Net. (laughs) Thank you so much. But also let me know when yours is live and I can can plug yours as well. Oh, thank you. You are so sweet. Um, Okay. So I want to talk about your books. Okay. Okay. So you have two books and one that you're, looks like a collaborative. You've got Girl on the Net and How a Bad Girl Fell in Love and My Not So Shameful Secrets. Is that right? Yes. So... The first book, um, My Not-So-Shameful Sex Secrets, is, you know, I'm going to just confess here, I didn't pick the title for either of my books. I'm not a huge fan of either of the titles. I think they're both a little bit too long and hard to remember Um, (laughs) because I get... I get the second one wrong all the time. Yeah. But anyway, so book one is just a sort of, it's a memoir slash romp from my days of early teenage masturbation up 
to, I want to say my mid to late 20s when I met a guy who we're going to call number 26, um, who is the ex that I've recently broken up with. So at the end of book one, I'm just falling in love with this guy. But the book sort of takes you on a journey as I'm discovering sex and then kink and then group sex and then heartbreak and then cheating and then all loads of other things that, you know, give life its flavour for better or worse. Yes. And then book two, How a Bad Girl Fell in Love is about, so that sort of picks up where book one left off when I'm with this guy. And we were together for um, nearly 10 years. And over those 10 years, because they were quite, they're the years in your life when everybody expects you to be settling down, getting married, having babies. And they were the years when we were doing things like, you know, sometimes shagging our friends or getting into kink or, you know, doing this, that and the other. And I have never wanted to have children. I think that the sort of quote unquote traditional life that lots of people are pushed into by societal expectations just isn't the kind of life that I want. And so that book is partly about how we navigated that with our own, you know, within our own expectations and the things that society sort of was telling us to do. But also it's, you know, that one's also got a lot of fucking in it. (laughs) Both books are quite dirty. Do you have a favourite? Yeah, the second one is my favourite. Um, if only because, you know, the first one was written in, in 2013 and the world changes so fast, particularly when it comes to sex and politics. I think back in 2013, I was only very vaguely aware of the fight to get trans rights recognised more in the UK, which, you know, has turned into this absolute trash fire recently. The UK is an incredibly transphobic place. Um, I was only really vaguely aware of some of the key things that now I would just consider standard knowledge about things like safer sex and sexual ethics and this, that and the other. So I think my, as a general rule, the more recent my writing is, the more proud I am of it because I am always learning. And so the newer stuff, I think, well, you know, this is better because... I wrote it after I learned this really important thing or, you know, after I'd had this experience or met this person. Um, So yeah, the the second one's my favourite. You know, it's funny. My next question was for you was, do you still see, I guess, do you still see the things the the way you wrote them the same or has your opinion changed? And sounds like you've just evolved. Yeah, I think so. And I hope so. Um, There are some core things that are the same and I think probably will remain the same. So I think I've always cared a lot about equality from a gender perspective. I've always been just enraged at the expectations, the differing expectations we have on men and women, for better or worse in both cases. I think they're incredibly harmful to women. I think they're also incredibly harmful to men. And whereas now I still feel that very strongly, I would just also be a lot more aware of the fact that the world is not just divided into men and women. There are lots of people elsewhere on the gender spectrum and that, you know, the ways in which society tells all of us, this is the box that you sit in and this is what you should do and this is who you are and this is who you should be. You know, each box that we've all been shoved into is is unique depending on our circumstances. Um, So, yeah, I think the core thread of what I do, you know, sex is great. And we shouldn't make assumptions about what people do and don't like. That's still there. It's just that I've learned more about all the different ways that that impacts people and the nuance of how that impacts people depending on, you know, their sexuality or their gender or their gender identity, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, and I hope that in 10 years time, I will look back at what I'm saying now, or maybe even two years time and go, 
oh my God, I sound so ignorant. I can't believe I didn't know this. Like I would hope for that in the future. I would hope to always be embarrassed by my views five years ago, because if I'm not, then I'm not learning. <laughs> I t- Oh gosh, I totally agree. I love the fact that I contradicted myself for five years and I've documented it because I love to see that growth and that change and how many doors it's opened. Yeah. And just, yeah. And how different I am. I'm truly grateful for the past five years with the sex, the podcast and everything, and just putting myself out there and and being open to trying new things because that mentality begets more openness and more openness, and it just keeps going. And there's always something new to experience and do and see in a different direction to move in and a different way to look at something that before, you know, you really thought you were set in your ways about. And then you realize, you know what? I don't need to live and die on that hill. I'm actually not that set in my ways on that. And quite frankly, I think that I was wrong about that. And I'm so glad I realized it and I see it differently now. Yeah, definitely. I think being able to say, yeah, I was wrong about this is important growth. And I think it's becoming more difficult I think in this, you know, in this day and age when so much of what we do is recorded online, um, I feel very sorry for younger generations for whom all of their teenage mistakes, God, if my teenage mistakes were recorded on Twitter and TikTok, oh, it would be a nightmare. Holy shit, yes. (sighs) I think it's really, I feel like as we get more used to this just being the way that things are, um, we will learn a little bit better how to acknowledge our past mistakes and show that we have learned from them and also how to forgive other people and ourselves for mistakes that we've made. I think when it comes to, you know, this is obviously very a very common debate at the moment when we're talking about sort of online, but, you know, um, how accountable, how should we hold people accountable and when should we hold people accountable? And to me, I think the key thing is always, it's not about whether you've made mistakes. It's about how you respond when somebody points out that you've made a mistake. And that might be yourself as you recognize, you know, I shouldn't have said this or, you know, I was wrong. Or it might be someone else saying, Hey, you said this five years ago. And I quite, usually quite like it when people say that to me and they're like, well, you said this five years ago and now you're saying this because it gives me a good opportunity to acknowledge and realize and go, oh, yeah, you're right. No, I have changed my mind. And, you know, I'm annoyed that I wrote that back then, but I'm glad I've got the chance to correct it now or to, you know, adjust or whatever. I don't think I've said anything super awful, though. (laughs) I hope not. I don't think so either. Um, Okay, so you have have some how to not be a douchebag rules. Do you always follow those yourself? And what are those? Um, yeah, so this is, this is in the context of like men I'm sleeping with and writing about. Yeah. Um, so broadly, the top one is consent. You know, ideally, I want to make sure that I've got somebody's consent to write something. Now, that's not always possible because I might be telling a story that happened, you know, 15 years ago and I just don't have contact details. And it would be weird to email someone and be like, oh, by the way, remember I sucked you off behind a supermarket back in (laughs) 2009? So if it's not possible to get consent, then the key thing is to write somebody anonymously so that they, if they want to claim the story, they can, but, you know, they can remain anonymous if they want to. But crucially also to write well of them. Now, I know some people think that you don't have to write well about everybody. And of course, there are certain people, abusers or just people who are really awful that maybe you don't want to write nice things about. But for me, genuinely, nearly every single person in my past who might crop up in a sex story is somebody who i remember fondly and think well of. 
And even if we parted on bad terms and even if, you know, we had a horrible time for part of our relationship or, you know, whatever it was that happened, I always try to write them remembering that at the time there was something I really liked about them. You know, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there with them. And what we did together, what they let me do with them, that was a gift. And I want to treat that preciously. My dream goal really is that anybody who has slept with me, who comes across a story about themselves on my website, won't leave feeling miserable. Yeah. And there is, I think, maybe one exception to that, um, which is in my first book, where there was a, a guy who was quite violent. But other than that, I would like, desperately like, for all of them to be pleased with what I've written and and at least not walk away wanting to cry. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I'm going to throw in just one quick question. I didn't, I didn't think that I didn't write down, but it just dawned on me. Do you know how many men you've slept with? I think it's probably somewhere between 40 and 50. Uh-huh. It's not, I don't think it's, to, oh, sorry, for people in total, because it's not only, I haven't oh, only okay. slept with men, sure. although it's mostly, mostly men. I think it's somewhere between 40 and 50. And I think given like half an hour and a glass of wine and a <laughs> notepad paper, I could probably remember them all. But yeah, my number is often a lot lower than people think think it should be because I talk about sex so much. But I've had two really long-term monogamous relationships in my life. So the vast majority of the sex in my life happened with two guys because they are the ones that I was with long-term and I I did most stuff with. Yes. So yeah, then I just fit everybody else in the middle. But I've also had, you know, some kind of group things while I've been with guys and this, that and the other. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So favourite fuck up. I want details. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about, I'm going to tell you about some anal that I had at university. <laughs> um, I, love it. This- I, love, I love the story stories with anal. Okay. Now we know we're getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this, I was super excited about it because it was the first time I'd done anal with this guy. Now, little bit of backstory. I had such a massive crush on this guy. I saw him on the first day of university and something in my head went, that's the man you're going to marry. And I was obsessed with him for a very long time. I ended up being with him for about eight years. But at the time, we were very much will they, won't they. He had a girlfriend in his hometown. We'd kind of had sex a few times. and It was always very like exciting and naughty and taboo. And, oh, we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing this. And the sex we always had was on our, the beds in our university halls, which were extremely narrow, like deliberately so much narrower than even a standard single bed. And I'm sure they did it deliberately to try and stop us sleeping over at other people's halls. But, you know, we were 18. We were incredibly determined and horny. So um, we were fucking on my very narrow single bed and we started doing anal. Both of us were quite excited about this because it was the first time we'd ever done anal together. And it was super hot. And I was like in on all fours in doggy on the bed, on this very narrow bed. And he was slamming it in. We we're both getting really excited. And just as he was about to come, he let out this like, ah, oh, and said, oh, I'm going to come in your ass. And just as he said ass, his knee slipped off the edge of the bed. He sort of, both of us went tumbling to the ground and he fell right down onto the floor and chipped a tooth on the oh way no. down. Oh no. Spraying cum everywhere. It's like <gasps> he'd started coming. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was just this like, yeah, arc of jeers oh my followed gosh. by a massive crash. It was quite spectacular. He was totally fine in the end. We were both totally fine. We we nearly died laughing, but um, other than that, we were okay. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. I have the perfect, I saw that jizz streaming through the air and arcing perfectly. <laughs> 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 so, okay, your audio porn, really good stuff. Oh my gosh, you have a great narration voice. And I listened to Harder Gangbang. I listened to more and Harder Gangbang. And so what I, and then what I realized is you're, so you're doing this with your patrons and they come up, they give you, they suggest some things and then you just do that. You put that together impromptu. Yeah. So this is a little game we play because, so most of the stories on my site are true stories. It's just, you know, here is a fuck that I had and here is why it was sexy. I mean, obviously I write it a bit better than that, but you know, it's mostly true stories, but I like to do little explorations into fiction because it means I can cover topics that are not possible for me to do. You know, nobody responsible is having gangbangs at the moment because of COVID. So, you know, fiction allows us to explore that. So what I do with my Patreons is we play a game where one of them will give me a character name, a kink, a location and an object. And then I will sit down. I've actually got some to do this week. I've got all of the suggestions in from Patreons. And then I will sit down on Sunday afternoon and just spend an hour on each story, just writing a little story that covers off all of those suggestions. So for more and harder, this I think the character name is was Laura. The kink was gangbang. The location was a dark room in a swingers club and the object was a rope. So that story um, I wrote that. It's actually, that was a really easy one to write because it's just, it's very easy to weave all of that into a scenario. You just, you know, have Laura tied to a chair in the dark room at a Swingers Club and a gang of men lined up to fuck her, um, which helps because it's also one of my fantasies. So that one was very, very easy to write. I have some more difficult ones coming up this week. I have one that involves a Union Jack flag as the object because the Union Jack flag has been in the news this week in the UK because, uh, an MP was complaining that we didn't use the flag enough. But yeah, it's it's really fun. I think I've was I've got pegging is one of the kinks. Yeah, I've, basically I've got lots of different random suggestions. I'm hoping I can weave those into interesting stories. Oh, you got to make the Union Jack flag the harness for the dildo. Oh, oh, nice. That's an excellent suggestion. <laughs> I'll see if I can. Uh, I'll see if I can work that in. <laughs> Okay, let's see. Now I want to just, I kind of want, now I just want to focus a little bit more directly on you because like I said, I kind of consider you the original curious girl. And you mentioned this, but I want to get into it a little bit more. You know, I want to, what's your current status? Are you single or are you in a relationship? I'm single. Um, I... Uh, have been seeing a guy who I was seeing for about six months. We very, very recently broke up, like literally last week. And it was not his fault. It was my fault. I'm just, I realized I'm not in the headspace for a relationship right now. So I'm single and I'm hoping that, yeah, when things are safe to do so, I can start doing a bit more dating and spend a bit more time just having fun in the shallow end of the relationship pool rather than yeah. the deep end. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Typically when you're in a relationship, are you, do you tend to be monogamous or do you have a primary partner with different lovers? So in the past, I've mostly been monogamous. Um, so with my two 
major relationships, both of those I would describe as monogamish. You know, we would we would be together and we would mostly be monogamous, but we would sometimes do things like, you know, have sex with our friends or go to play parties or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, my first long term boyfriend, we did a lot of like kink and fet stuff. So we go to sort of fetish clubs and things like that. Um, whereas my more recent boyfriend, we didn't tend to go out as much, but we did have friends around and sometimes sometimes we'd bang. (laughs) But yeah, most, I'm mostly monogamous. I think, I don't think my heart or my organizational skills are cut out for any kind of committed polyamory, but I don't know if that's true or if that's just because I've been shaped by the experiences I've had. I'm excited to find out more about that now that I'm single. Yeah. What's your favorite kink? Ah, oh, do you know, this is going to sound really vanilla, but I just love it too much to not have this one here. But I love watching guys wank. A guy that I am into and ideally someone that I am with or I'm fucking, watching him wank to porn that he is reading or watching, like porn that he really enjoys or whatever kind of erotic entertainment he enjoys, even if he just imagines it in his head and closes his eyes, using whatever sex toys he would enjoy having a decent wank on his own. I like watching that as if if I am a fly on the wall. So kind of voyeuristically, like, I don't want to be acknowledged. Ideally, I want them to pretend that I'm not there because I really, really love seeing someone just fully let themselves go. And this is how I give myself pleasure. Um, my ex was exceptional at this. Like, because we've been together for so long, he became really comfortable with wanking in front of me. And just the joy of like, just watching him really go for it, like beating at his dick. Uh-huh. It was the hottest. Um, <laughs> if anybody else is, if anybody else is into this, I am. on my site, I oh, am. on my site, there's totally. a story called watching him wank in the shower oh. where he did like a performative wank for me. And it was one of the hottest days of my entire life. It was incredible. Oh, I'm going to read that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to read that. I love it too. It, it's just, oh God, I was with this one guy. He could actually tease himself to the point where I would call it leaking. He would say, don't say leaking. It sounds like something's broken, but he could just uh, edge himself to the point where some cum would just come out. He wasn't actually orgasming, but he it was so, uh-huh. the tension was so built up. And I loved to, I loved just to watch how his balls would get tight and they'd pull closer and I could tell he was ready to go over the edge and then he wouldn't. And some of it would just come out. It was even better if it would just, if he would put some of it on me while he was doing that. Oh my God. God, it's hot. Oh, that sounds amazing. Sexy as fuck. (laughs) Yes. Oh, the leaking thing as well. Do you know, I I don't think I've not ever had anyone like deliberately do that for me, but I might add that to the list because, yeah, that is hot. And yeah, the way like, yeah, the balls get really tight. Don't you love that? Like watching someone's muscles tense as well, as you can tell. Yes. Yeah, like they've ramped it up from like, we've gone from code yellow to code red. That's right. (laughs) I know. uh, It gets serious all of a sudden. You can tell. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. um, So best lover you've had and worst and why? 
Okay, so so worst because of what I said earlier on, I don't want to be mean about anyone. I am going to say the worst was a guy who was quite violent. Uh, content warning for I don't know relationship intimate partner abuse. Um, he used to just get really drunk and he would like punch bus stops. To this day, like literally any man who ever punches something when he's angry, whether it's a wall or a light switch or a mirror or a cardboard box, I don't care. If you punch stuff when you're angry, then you need to sort yourself the fuck out and get to therapy but this guy used to do that a lot and then one day he punched me oh no uh, so he's the worst the best ah uh, this is so boring but i am gonna have to go with my ex and not just because we've been together for so long although that is really key like you know we know each other so well now i am still sometimes sleeping with him which is why i'm <gasps> using the present tense oh. i know I know. I just can't resist. We're both, oh. we're, we're really good at sex. And we keep yeah. saying this every yes. time we fuck. We're like, we're just really good at sex together. Yeah, we are. It's just practice, years of practice. But also, you know, he knows me really well. Um, he and I share very similar kinks because over the years, you kind of grow your kinks together and develop little games together that play into both of the things that both of you enjoy. Um, and he's got a great dick. So, yeah. Honestly, it's so annoying. And I'm sure like I will, there will be plenty of other lovers in the future who with whom I have an amazing time. And I have had an amazing time with um, a couple of guys since I broke up with him. So it's not to say that he is the be all and end all. There is loads more fun in my life. It's just that right now, there's one guy who knows how to press my buttons. Uh, and exactly which buttons to press. Yeah, it's the best. So, uh, of, okay, of all the sexual experiences you've had, what are your top two favorites? And did you blog about them and got to give us the title to those articles? Okay. So I think I genuinely do have a blog post called The Best Sex I Ever Had. Perfect. Uh, I know. But it's again, it's going to sound quite vanilla, this one. So I'll make sure that for the second one, I pick something really filth. So this one, I was on holiday um, with my ex and we'd been cycling all day and the day had just been an absolute washout. Like it was pouring with rain. We were exhausted. We'd cycled like God knows how long in the pissing rain with all of our stuff. And we finally got to the hostel where we were staying and we managed to like dry off. We smoked a bit of weed, had a bit of wine and lay on the bed and just was so calm and spacey and meditative that we had just this really slow, drawn out, intimate, like deep fuck. And it was very missionary and, you know, very it would have been very, very boring to watch. But I think the connection of, you know, we'd had this shared experience of this really horrible day and we'd come together at the end of it and we'd experienced joy together and we'd looked out for each other and like dried each other off. And then we'd sort of allowed ourselves to just kind of relax into this very, very slow, beautiful shag that neither of us was in any kind of rush to finish it. We just wanted to enjoy every single atom of each other's bodies. It was amazing. So that's definitely one of them. That's on my site, the best sex I ever had. Um, something that's a bit less vanilla. Oh, do you know, I'm going to tell you something much newer, which yeah. isn't on my site yet, but it will be soon. Okay. If you go girlonthenet.com, subscribe, put your email address in, it will go up on the blog soon. Recently, I did a fuck where he belted my legs together, jammed a flashlight between my thighs and fucked the flashlight while I was desperate and aching and begging him oh to fuck. Oh my God. 
like just kind of playing with the idea of like me being a toy, me yeah. being there for him to use. And it was this really like weird, uncanny valley because like his thighs are slapping against my ass and his hands are gripping me and he's grabbing my hair and my throat and like all the things. Oh, he oh, I love do. that stuff. Oh my God. I love all that stuff. <laughs> Oh, and it's, yeah, it's so amazing. Like this really, really brutal fuck, but my cunt wasn't feeling any of it. It was just like, it was amazing. And I was so wet and so desperate and so hot for him to fuck me and just being denied that, but also, you know, being kind of tormented with all the other sensations of the fuck. It was really cool. And then after that, he didn't at any point fuck me with his actual dick. But if people come to my blog and subscribe, this story gets so much weirder. And so I'm going to leave it at oh. that and just leave it on the cliffhanger. <laughs> oh my God. I'm First of all, thank you for giving us the inside track. And that story sounds amazing. And I, I can really, I, all the things that you're talking about that excite you, that stuff totally excites me too. I have to ask, was the flashlight inside of you or outside? No, it was outside. So like key to it was, I think a, a few weeks beforehand, I'd said something to him like, oh, I really want you to make, make me beg you to fuck me. Like I really like that kind of the ache in my cunt when I'm just desperately horny. And like, so basic, so it was just right at the top of my thighs and I was bent over. So it's sort of just beneath my cunt yeah. as he's looking at me. Oh so gosh. like I was dripping down oh. onto him as he was fucking this flashlight, but there was nothing inside me. And so, yeah, that like the aching horn of it is just heightened oh. and so intense. It was so much fun. <laughs> oh my God. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to read all of it. That's amazing. So you're, you're out there, you're, you're sex positive, you're a woman. Have you experienced backlash from this? And if so, how did you handle it? Well, I get backlash quite a lot, like not as much as I used to. When I first started blogging, the main backlash I got was I got lots of men telling me that they thought I was a man, which was so boring. Um, basically, guys who were like, well, if you like sex this much, you're just a man pretending to be a woman. And I'm like, this is literally the misconception that I'm trying to argue against. Um, and so fuck off. Because also a lot of the time they just want you to send them a picture of your tits or something to prove, I don't know, whatever. That was really boring. These days, I most of the criticism I get tends to be from people who say, it tends to be from people who would claim to be feminist, but they're quite anti-porn and anti-sex. So they would say that I am you know, letting down the sisterhood by talking about things that are male fantasies, so more extreme BDSM or rough sex or whatever, or that, you know, I'm, yeah, basically I'm setting a bad example. I, I find that really weird, particularly from a feminist perspective. Feminism has room for all women and I don't think it's helpful for feminism to categorise particular sexual fantasies as male or female or masculine or feminine because that's just not how the world works. Like, you know, people are people and people will have different fantasies. I don't think your feminism can realistically be inclusive of everybody if it also comes with this caveat that any sexual fantasy you have, which might be reminiscent of something that you'd find on Pornhub, then, you know, you can't be a feminist and you're not allowed to talk about your sex life. It's just, it's pointless and it, it makes, it's a nonsense. It makes no sense whatsoever because my sexuality is partly 
to do with who I am and how I was born. It's also partly shaped by society and it in turn will then shape society and we have to have a more nuanced conversation about it than just you shut up. You like spanking, so you shut up. (laughs) Yeah, right. Just, I wanted to say, tell me about your lovely illustrator and what made you decide to use illustrations as your graphics? Oh, okay. So my illustrator is called Stuart Taylor. His website is chainbear.me. He is completely fantastic. And it was luck, really. I stumbled across him because we'd followed each other on Twitter for a while. And he drew this really, he drew me this really cute little picture of Jesus in yoga pants. I can't remember why we were talking about Jesus and how hot he'd look in yoga pants, I think. So he drew this little picture of it. Um, And it was around about the time when Google was changing its algorithm to make it so that you had to have images on blogs. So if you publish a blog, but to to this day, if you publish a blog post without an image, it is far less likely to do well in search because, because Google is awful. But that's partly because, you know, users click on things more if they have images. So yes, as a sex blogger, I really do not like the pressure that is put on a lot of you know people who work in our industry that you must show yourself, you must show your body or your you know your tits realistically. Yeah. Like I, I'm constantly get people asking me for like naked pictures or pictures of my body all the time, and I'm just like, ah, oh, I'm a words person. Like there are some pictures yeah. on my website of like my bum or whatever. I have got a great bum, and I'm very proud of it at the moment. <laughs> I've been doing lots of cycling. Um, But like, yeah, I was just... I just really didn't want to do photos. And so I thought, oh yeah, illustrations would be good. And Stuart was there and he started drawing for me and his work is just so incredible. Like I'm so lucky to be able to work with him. We're really, we're very collaborative and he has such fantastic ideas and such just brilliant. Like his images aren't just sexy, but they're, you know, they show a huge range of different body types. And we've always said, and he's always said he wants to make sure that he's representing people on the site and representing lots of different body types because sexual media is so slim, white, cis women on almost everything. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky to have him. He's absolutely fantastic. Oh, he's wonderful. I love, I mean, one of the things that I just, that always stood out to me was what a brilliant idea and what a great kind of marriage of your work and his illustrations. I love it. And okay. I want to thank you for being on the show. I know you have to get going. I'll let you just close it up by letting everybody know what's coming next for Girl on the Net and let everyone know where they can find you. Okay. So if they want to come find my work, I am at girlonthenet.com. I'm also at patreon.com slash girlonthenet. And um, what's coming next? I'm going to be commissioning a whole new batch of guest audio. Um, I do rounds of this every few months. um, And then I will be getting loads of new guest audio erotica or audio porn, which is what I tend to call it up on the site. I have the conclusion of that flashlight story, if anybody would like to hear that. Yes. And I'll also be working, I'm working on another big project at the moment, which is fiction related, which I'm hoping I should be able to announce in the next couple of months. But yeah, in the meantime, I'll just be churning out more smut and more audio porn and telling you more secrets at girlonthenet.com. Oh, thank you so much, G. Thank you so much. Lovely chatting with you. All right, guys, what did you think? Oh my gosh, isn't she wonderful? I know. I just, I'm gushing. I'm fangirling. I'm, I'm just crazy about this woman. She's amazing. I couldn't believe she was so generous and gracious to do this interview with me, 
give me her time. She had no idea who I am. I just reached out to her and said, you know, you've inspired, you don't know this, but you've inspired me. All these years ago, I told her the backstory. I hadn't, you know, had sex in three and a half years and I decided to change that. And I came across your website and I thought, you know, you inspired me to want to document what I was doing, not just do it. I'd already decided I was going to do it, but to document it. At any rate, when I asked her for an interview, she was a, she gave me a resounding yes. And she's been so generous with her time. And just, don't you just love how she's just so out there, honest, real, and raw. I love her. Oh my gosh. I wish I could have gone on and on and on. I'd love to just spend the whole week with her and just pay attention to everything she says. I'm so glad that I got the chance to interview her and have her be a part of the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. It's really a full circle moment for me, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this. This is really probably the, one of the most exciting things I've done. Pushing all the fun sex aside, like really, it's ex- it was just exciting to get to talk to her. So I hope you enjoyed that. Again, don't forget, leave me a review on iTunes. I would love to hear your thoughts. I love your feedback. Then you can be entered in this month's contest to win an iPad and a 30-minute uh, phone call, Skype call, you know, face-to-face, however you want to do it. We can talk about anything you want. And also, I hope everybody out there is masturbating their little hearts out. I know that I have been. My March Masturbation Madness Month has been going fabulous. It's coming. I'm at the tail end here. Kind of lots of revelations about that. I did mention that a little bit in this podcast when I was talking with G. Uh, You can kind of, hopefully you caught that. But yes, I can't wait to do a full podcast all about that. Really raunchy, dirty details. (laughs) Give you the stuff that I know you little, you little perverts love. (laughs) My little kinksters. I love you. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening as always. Stay safe. Have fun. Let's have a good time. Spring is coming. I'm so excited. Yes. Don't you feel it? I feel different. Like, I feel like this big weight's been lifted off me. I'm coming out of the fog of the winter, even though it's like we're rounding the corner of kind of like year two of COVID. I feel like things are changing and that's really great, really awesome. I have some fun travel booked, by the way, guys. Yes, yes, yes. I am going to Florida in a couple weeks. And then I'm also going to Jamaica with Mickey. She's going to be on a podcast coming up next. I think that should be on Tuesday. We are dishing. You guys are going to want to pay attention to that one. Ooh, it's going to be a good one. There's going to be some some sizzle. We go, she machine gunned some questions at me. Trust me, I was caught off guard, but I answered honestly. And, uh, and I did the same with her. So she's having a retreat in Jamaica, a yoga retreat. I'm a yogi. She's a yogi. And... We can't wait to meet up in Jamaica in uh, the beginning of May. So if anybody wants to stalk me to Jamaica, I will be there (laughs) doing yoga. Just try to pick me out of the crowd of, I don't know how many yogis are going to be there. But uh, anyway, all right, guys. Well, as always, I appreciate you listening so, so much. Thank you. You can remember, you can always leave me questions or comments at the website, curiousgirl at curiousgirldiaries.com. Leave me a voicemail there too. I love the voice memos. I respond very quickly to those and it's fun for me to hear your voice. It's really great to get that interaction. Everybody's been really great about sending in comments, questions, and I have been on it, guys. I've been on it about getting back to you quickly, and I love it. I love hearing from you. The engagement from you means so much to me. So have a great week. 
I have another great interview coming up next Saturday. You're going to love this next week coming up. It's great because it's Mickey and I really getting deep, really getting personal into some, we're getting in the weeds. We're getting into some stuff I do not want to podcast about, but I did anyway. And then next Saturday, I have another great interview. I'm not going to tell you just who it is yet. You got to listen on Tuesday and I'll let the cat out of the bag. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, refer me to a friend and make sure you're following me on social media. Also go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com and join my subscribers only list for access to exclusive content. And as usual, questions or comments, you can always email me at curiousgirl at thecuriousgirldiaries.com.